A wolf howled outside. The boy was not afraid, but he was alert. The stranger did not stir. Do you fear wolves? The boy shook his head. I fear that they will try to take our cows. It will be a hungry winter this year. A wolf winter. The stranger nodded. So it is. The wolves of Midgard are cunning, but they are not malicious. If they take your cows, it is out of need. Need that they are willing to face death for. But the wolves of Jotunheim, of Niflheim, of the Fens of the Gods... Their cruelty is legendary, boy. Do you know them, these wolves? The boy scoffed at that. You have just told me of two of them. The stranger smiled. I did indeed. I spoke of Garm, the Red Rag, gatekeeper of Helheim, and I spoke of the most important one, whose tale I will now tell. But the Fenris wolf had many spawn, and two of them we shall learn in this tale, about how their transgressions led the god to decide that Fenrir must be dealt with, and of the sacrifice and sorrow of Dutiful Tyr, and what drove Odin to seek out the final truth and find his curse. Prepare yourself for the tale of Fenrir. Welcome to Godesy, Season 2, Episode 11. The Hand That Feeds. The dead had been settled. All free souls were bound for Helheim unless, from their ranks, the host of Freya and Odin decided that they were worthy. And for many reasons are the dead worthy, boy. Of those, Freya had the right to first choice. Odin chose next, and all others went to Helheim. Thor, my boy, had a role in this too. All servants and slaves belonged to him, worthy or not. He is their protector in life and in death. And so, death was settled for now. It was time for Odin to take stock of his kingdom, of the whole of the Nine Worlds, and so he climbed. Valhalla is the largest of Asgard's hall, but behind it a trail leads from the place where his army feasts to his private dwelling, high above the rest of Asgard and indeed, the rest of the worlds. There, in a hall called Valaskalf, there is a throne that sits upon a balcony, surveying the nine worlds below. Hildskalf, it is called, and any who sit there can observe anything they wish. It was from this hall, untouched by the raid of Frey and Freya during the War of the Gods, that Odin and Frigga had seen the hubris of King Geroth and his brother Angmar's humility. So Odin sat, joined by Hugin and Munin, by Geri and Freki, and there below looked about. The Nine Worlds were in order. Humanity was growing, experimenting with new metals, new sailing techniques, growing in power and setting up systems laid forth by Heimdall. Jarls at the top, Karls or freedmen in the middle, and at the bottom of the system, thralls, servants and hard workers. This was good, Odin thought, and humanity would grow around that and perhaps one day beyond it. Odin looked elsewhere. The Jotuns were recovering from the terrible destruction of their land. By looking, Odin could barely tell that there had been a war at all, save for the lack of settlements. There were still halls, of course, and some Jotun lords Odin had not touched for their power and for their alliance with the gods. Odin was fine with this, for Thor was out there doing his job. He looked elsewhere. Vanaheim and Elfheim prospered. Nidaviller was a place of creativity and good ideas, if dark hearts, and so too was Svartalheim, 
Muspelheim burned Odin's eyes, but Niflheim Odin looked hard upon. He saw souls appearing, being processed, and beginning their eternal toil. There, the frame of a ship was being built, not of wood, but of something else, a ghostly white color. The building material was ever so small. Odin would investigate that. Another time, though. Preparing to stand and proud of his work, Odin looked up, and there was horrified. Above him, the midday sun crossed the sky, and as he looked at it, the sun goddess Sol ran. She ran terrified, for behind her a monstrous wolf chased her. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw another wolf chasing the trailing light of the moon, the god called Mani. Two wolves chasing the sun and the moon, and by Odin's reckoning, they would one day be caught. Sol and Mani were athletic, good runners, strong constitutions, but those wolves were equally strong, if not stronger. How had this happened? How were the wolves so big? Odin knew of only one wolf that was bigger, and his heart grew terrified. Standing from his high throne, Odin went to the Finns of Asgard, where he knew his son Tyr kept his pet and friend, the Fenrir Wolf. Many are the environments of Asgard and Vanaheim, beautiful and fertile in all forms. The fins of Asgard are yellow in summer, with grey-white granite covered in moss and tall evergreen trees. When it was open, one could see widely and far. When the trees grew, they grew together and close. Odin did not see Fenrir, the fin wolf, but he saw sign of the beast. Mastodon bones, massive elk horns, some even chewed open and the marrow gnawed upon. Odin was impatient, worrying. Fenrir, come and speak to me. It is Odin that calls you. Something bounded towards him from the trees, and Odin's heart all but leapt from his chest. But Odin is stoic, the knower of things, including how to conquer his own fear. Fenrir arrived and looked ready to play. He sniffed Odin, his tongue lapping, and then Fenrir lay down, rolling as if to be petted. Odin did not pet Fenrir. Oh, father, I am glad to see you. Have you seen Tyr? He has not come today for our daily games. Odin shook his head, terrified of how much Fenrir had grown, and how much deeper the wolf's voice was. I have not seen Tyr either. It is you I have come to see, Famewolf, for your size never ceases to amaze. Indeed, the wolves that chased Sol and Mani across the sky had been massive, but Finrir was larger than both combined, growing to resemble a small mountain. And he was still growing. His proportions were starting to lose consistency. Have you come to play? I would accept you, Odin, and you did not bring a horse. You are truly wisest. Odin smiled. Tell me, Finrir, have you children? Finrir growled, as wolves growl to give approval. I am a wolf. I act accordingly. Are you the father of the two wolves that chase the sun and the moon? Finrir's approving growl became a laugh. Argir, Skoll, and Hati Hordvidnissen. Mockery and hater they are called, or the fame wolf's sons. Two of my eldest sires from Jotunheim. 
They shot good game, and so I told them there was no greater game than the sun and the moon. So they chase your guards. <laughs> Odin was angry then, but he knew better than to strike against such a large foe. I have a game for you, Finrir, but I will have to come back tomorrow. I hope you are ready. I will bring a crowd to see you. And so Odin left, seeking Tyr and calling for a contingency of dwarves. Odin spoke thus to Tyr. The wolf is too large. He is a threat to us all. His children hunt the sun and the moon, and if he continues to breed, growing larger, his brood will be even larger, even more monstrous. They will surely hunt us all if Finrir does not begin to do it first. Tyr was quiet, dutiful as ever, but Odin knew his son was not happy. He finally spoke. Lord Father, let me convince him. I have trained him. I have told him what to do and what not to do. Let me speak to him. Perhaps he can call back his children from chasing Solimani. Let me speak to him. Odin's eye twinkled. I have already brought dwarves to Asgard, Tyr. You have the night to speak to Finrir. And so Tyr left dutifully, and Odin went to the dwarves. The next day, Odin came with a retinue of gods, Baldur and Hod among them, Bragi and Adun, and Frigga too. Freya and Frey had come, and all were in agreement. Finrir was too great a threat to keep unbound. The whole of Asgard was in agreement. Loki was not, for he was not there, instead wandering the world. Tyr came out, and Finrir with him. Finrir was silent when he saw the oxen-driven cart, upon them a massive chain. I have a game for you, Famewolf. Let us test your strength. Let us wrap you in chains, and let us see if you can break out of the chains. Finrir growled, interested in the contest. You are questioning the strength of the Finwolf. A fool you are, then. Come, let me show you. Wrap me as tightly as you can, all father. And so they did. Bright Balder led the effort, and Odin directed them, making sure the knots were tight and caught every joint. Tear helped, but he spoke to Finrir, the two laughing and glad for company. Odin had never seen a friendship of the like. Finally, they were done. Test the chains, Fenris Wolf. And so he did. Finrir struggled to get his muscular haunches out, to get his paws in the right place. Once he was able to stand, though, he tensed all of his muscles and expanded outward, and with a crack, the chain broke. Finrir howled, dancing proudly. Tear rubbed his belly, and Finrir was glad. He spoke to Odin, laughing. Bring a better chain tomorrow, Grimnir and Glad of War. I look forward to another game with you. Odin was in a dark mood, but he returned to his dwarves and had them make a better chain, this time of the finest iron that could be made, heated and then heated again. And so the gods returned the next day, and they wrapped Finrir again in a new chain, almost of gleaming silver. Finrir struggled and the gods laughed, save for dutiful tear, sorrowful. But just when they were ready to return to Asgard, Finris broke the chains, sending them flying. One must hit the shield maiden Sif in the face, but she batted it away, gladness gone from that most glad of faces. And so Odin returned to Asgard, defeated once more, the laughing voice of Finrir in his ears again. 
Bring a better chain tomorrow, quarrelsome wanderer. Next time, do not waste my time. I am still a growing wolf. <laughs> Odin went to the dwarves in a rage, picking one up off of the ground. The wolf must be bound. What can you do? What do you need to make the fame wolf bound this time? The dwarf spoke thusly. Please halt your anger, all father, for all day I have striven to determine the finest bondage for the wolf. I have looked at the body from afar, and I have seen the error of my plans. I need things of you, very specific materials. You will need to act with haste. Odin listened intently, summoning his horse. This chain I must make of these six things. The sound of a cat's footfall, the beard of a woman, the roots of a mountain, the sinews of a bear, the breath of a fish, and the spittle of a bird. Of these six impossible things I can make you the finest thread. Odin looked to Freya, and the two worked their woman's magic to find the six things, and by dawn they brought the materials to the dwarves, and by noon they had completed the thread. Not a chain, but a golden silk ribbon. What trickery is this, child of Nidavilar? Odin said, wrath in his voice. Nothing can break this, not scissors, nor the Finra wolf. If it fails this day, you may burn the whole of Nidavilar. Odin looked at him, took him for his word, and rode to the Finn of Asgard, where Finrir was waiting with tear, sadness now in the god's face. But today was different, for Finrir was irritated. I am beginning to think, Allfather, that this is not a game at all, but that you are actively trying to remove me from my freedom. I will not have it. This is not a game you play but deploy. I will not take part. Odin's eye twinkled, anger in his heart. Then what will make you commit to the game? What is the trade-off, Finrir? Finrir thought, then smiled. One of your gods, or even you, Allfather, must place their hand in my mouth. If you do not remove the chain, if this should work this time, I will take the hand. Is that agreeable? Are any of you brave enough to play my game? No one spoke for a moment. Odin looked among the gods, to beautiful Balder, blind hard, to Willir and Heimdall and Idun, to Bragi and Gna and Frigga, to Freya and Frey too. No one was willing to do it. As Odin began to open his mouth and offer his own hand in sacrifice, Tyr spoke. I will place my hand in your mouth, Fenrir. It would not be the first time. You and I are friends, Fenrir. Trust in that. Finrir growled approvingly. I trust no other, Tyr. So Tyr placed his hand in Finrir's mouth, and the gods took the ribbon, long and golden, and they wrapped every limb, every inch of the wolf, black fur occasionally emerging from the gold bondage. When the ribbon ran out, they pulled tightly and tucked it in, then tied a series of knots bound by Sidir, the magic of women created by Freya. Odin spoke to Finrir. Well, fame wolf, when will you begin to struggle? Finrir growled. I am struggling, Allfather. It is too tight. 
Your knots are too strong. A cheer ran out among the gods, who began to feast then and there. Tears' face fell. Hour after hour for the remainder of daylight that day, as Skull chased Soul to the horizon. Finrir struggled, and the gods feasted. The dwarves, too, came and took their payment. The work done, Finrir was not yet panicked, but was irritated. Tyr did not move, instead spoke to his friend, reassuring him to keep trying. It was midway through the afternoon when Mani appeared, coming closer to Sol. The two crossed one another, darkening the skies and revealing the two growling wolves above. The light was blinding, and all gods shielded their eyes. Finrir growled lowly, Free me, all father. Free me, and I will call off my children. Odin considered, then spoke. No. Free me, and I will kill Skull and Hati. I will never again darken Asgard's fins, and I will return to Jotunheim. Free me, or I shall take Tyr's hand. Odin spoke again. No. Is your son nothing to you, Allfather? He is the god of war. What good is a one-handed god of war? Tyr looked hurt at that, but he too looked to Odin. Odin returned the look to Tyr to see if he thought differently. Though he was terrified of losing his hand, dutiful Tyr knew the truth. He knew that Finrir was lying. He knew the panic had come from the Fame Wolf. The ribbon had worked. He could not get out. The sacrifice must be made. Tyr nodded. Odin spoke thusly. No, Finrir, you are bound forevermore. With that, Finrir roared and in a rage clamped his teeth down in the darkness of the eclipse. Tyr screamed and the bone cracked, sinews ripped, and soon the left hand of dutiful Tyr was removed. Ear, healer of the gods, came forth, and she wrapped Tyr's arms and prepared ointments and bandages, then set inside a metal cast, airtight and beautiful. Finrir munched and then growled at Odin and Tyr. Deceitful liar! I knew your kind when I saw you, Odin, and I should have eaten you that day in Jotunheim. So small and so weak. Mother said this would happen. The gods of Asgard were false and would betray me for fear of me, for fear of my liar father. She saw it all. She saw how it ended. She saw the ultimate betrayal of the gods by their ally, and the death of the Bright One. She knew that I would be bound, but not forever. I will break free, all father. I will break free, and I will be there when it all ends. I will escape. My escape will begin the twilight of the gods, and you are my prey. I will hunt you, I will come for you, and in the final conflict, you will enter my jaws, and you will not escape, and I will crunch you, I will eat you before all the host of Asgard. Yours will be the first death. This is not a threat, Allfather. It is foreseen. It is truth. This is my vow. As true as the roots of Yggdrasil, it will one day soon burn, and all things with it. Your precious creation will burn. All is vanity, Grim One. All is your vanity. Odin knew that not one word was a lie. 
Odin felt it that those words had been spoken by a vulva. Fear entered him. Everything was for naught. What was this leading to? What was the twilight of the gods? Odin checked on his son, on Tyr, and then went to Frigga and Freya, the two vulva of the Aesir and Vanir. Neither knew anything about this, but both looked worried. Frigga looked bleak, for the death of the Bright One meant that her son, Baldur, was marked for death. She would do her magic, aided by Freya, and the two would find a way to prevent Baldur's death. Odin gave his blessings. Odin sent Ir away. As nearby, Finrir writhed in the Golden Ribbon, howling and screaming obscenities. Odin helped Tyr to his feet. I'm sorry you had to do that, son. Sacrifice is a difficult thing. Tyr shook his head, pale from loss of blood, but not angry. He was my best friend, father, but I knew what he was. I knew that he was a threat to us all. You did the right thing for our people. You were a good ruler. Above them, the eclipse was ending. What will you do now, father? Odin looked at the wolf, then to the sun and the moon above. There are many Volva in the Nine Worlds, but only one can give us the answer that I seek. I must find a way to speak to Angraboda of Tyr. And so, Odin made for Jotunheim, taking with him only the head of Mimir, kept in a box. And so begins our final story, boy. The tale of Fenrir and Tyr is a sad one, and I've tried to amp that up the last few episodes by building a connection between the two. Fenris is not always cruel and evil in some versions of the tale, but by its end, he is one of the grand enemy of the gods. We'll get more into that grand tale in the next episode, our penultimate exploration of Odin. Fenrir is an important wolf, and indeed, there are many in Norse myth, but Skull and Hati are interesting in their chasing of Solonmani. Skull is sometimes suggested as an alternate name or title for Fenrir, which would be odd if he is also bound, but let's not pretend that Norse mythology is consistent until an author gets a hold of it like Snorri did. For my part, I decided to keep Skull and Fenrir separate, because Hati is listed as one of the Fame Wolf's sons. That implies there's more than one, so I tried to keep Skull as one of those sons. Next episode, we dive into Norse necromancy, we hear from Angraboda, and we finally understand what Odin does not. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Follow Goddessy on social media at The Goddessy Podcast. We share mythology factoids daily from all over the world, hilarious memes, and occasionally real-world wisdom. And when you do, reach out and share Goddessy with your friends, followers, and the children of the Fame Wolf. Just careful with their teeth. We can also be reached via email. All those can be found in the show notes, so check us out there. Your support keeps this show going. If you like what you've heard, leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and help others find us. Share us on social media and maybe we won't wrap you in unbreakable golden ribbon. If you want to support the show more directly, you can get access to weekly blog deep dives and an early access episodes on our Patreon. The link there is also below. Goddessy releases every Monday. See you next week, Far Traveler. <laughs>